Welcome to Dragon's Rest, a podcast about the fantasy tavern where all great adventures get their start. It's here you'll meet a wannabe hero, a misanthropic bartender, a washed-up mage, a dim-witted bard, and a braggadocious dwarf. Created by Darcy Thompson and starring a cast of talented storytellers, each week promises a fresh keg of laughter and misadventure. So come on down to Dragon's Rest. Visit dragonsrestshow.com for more. Welcome back for the last time this season, season two of Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We are covering our rankings episode of House of the Dragon today. Last week we went into a really great compare and contrast of the corresponding sections of Fire and Blood, the novel, with season one House of the Dragon on screen and kind of went over the key differences there. Today we are closing out the House of the Dragon season one coverage with our fan favorite rankings episode so it's going to be a lot of fun we really enjoy bringing these kind of episodes to you before we jump in and get started i'll turn the floor to chase to say a few words season two finale baby let's go let's go fuck yeah uh once again thank you to you guys y'all been ride or die with us since season one all through this season got a badass episode today planned Always one of our favorites. Uh, We know it's y'all's favorites too. You got the rankings, which is full circle moment for us because we know all the way back on season one, our first episode was rankings. Now we're ending season two with rankings. Let's make it happen, baby. Let's go. I'll turn it back over to Jay Nelly. For sure. Let's raise our glasses one last time for season two, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy and the very last closeout of season one, House of the Dragon with the rankings here today. Cheers, man. It's been a great one. Cheers, brother. Malice in the chalice. Off to the pit of misery, baby. Let's make it happen. Perfect. Alrighty. Let's go ahead and jump into our rankings. Today, we are going to start our rankings with a ranked order of our episodes from 10 to 1. We're going to start at 10 from our quote-unquote least favorite to... Number one, our most favorite. I say quote-unquote least favorite because there was no really bad episode in House of the Dragon. So it's not like we're ranking it because it was absolute shit. We're ranking it this low because there were other episodes that were better. And we're doing a, a, a you know rising list from there. So without further ado, I'm going to pass it over to Chase to give us his 10th ranked episode in House of the Dragon Season 1. What'd you put for number 10, brother? Number 10, it wasn't a bad episode, it was just a little bit slower. I put episode 7, the Driftmark episode, you know, you had uh, Lena's funeral, I thought that was really cool though, I really loved the customs there. Uh, It was badass, kind of seeing Aemon claim Vagar, but at the same time, you know, you had Aegon was like dousing himself with alcohol, just laying around the steps there. You had Lainor that was crying in the ocean. I don't know what was really going on with that. And then you had some really disrespectful stuff with 
Damon and Rhaenyra were out there hooking up on the beach when uh, his wife just died. That wasn't exactly cool. But overall, you know, I thought it was really well written. It just wasn't as much action as I was thinking. But the positives of the side, I really thought it was visually gorgeous with Aemon soaring on Vagar, that big fucking behemoth <laughs> that that thing is over, uh, you know, over the Driftmark area. And you had like the moon in the sky. Uh, so that part was really cool. And then you kind of had the, you know, uh, they definitely need some family counseling with the whole, you know, basically in the Driftmark basement there going back and forth. And Eamon gets his eye cut out uh, by Lucerys. So it, w- it was really cool. Like, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't exactly one of my favorites. I just, uh, there was no bad episodes in the season just like you said, just it wasn't one of my favorites because it was a little bit more of a slower episode for me. What'd you put for number 10? Number 10 for me, I put episode one. And a lot of it has to do with, obviously the story has to build. So a lot of it was backstory onto where we are to start this whole era of the dance with the dragons and how it comes in and starts and all that good stuff. So for me, I believe episode one it was a great when we, when I watched it. It was a great first episode, but they did an amazing job of making every other episode a little bit stronger on top of it. And that's ideally how a series should go. Like the first episode should draw you in, but every episode after that should build a little bit and make it a little bit more exciting and, and more important. And I really do believe that episode one was a good episode overall. It's just the biggest action we got was probably what the tournament or maybe Damon running through the with the commander of the city he him as the commander of the city watch and taking people's like, hands off their heads off their dicks off whatever it may be i just think that if i if i put it in a vacuum there's just so many more things that are relevant for the remainder of the series and bring more action as the series goes on then i can really say for episode 1 it was a good foundation it was a good basis but for that reason, I just couldn't put it any higher in my 10th ranked episode because every other episode to me had more important moments or higher action or was visually more attractive than what I saw on episode one. So episode one gets my 10th ranked spot. What about you for number nine? Number nine. I got episode six. <laughs> it was pretty cool. I didn't like the idea, though, that Damon was just stuck over in Pentos and kind of gained some weight there. You know, he's kind of getting out of shape a little bit. But you had, like, kind of the really cool moment with uh, that where it deviated from the book a little bit with not... I didn't like what happened to her character, but uh, Lena dies. But I did like how she was like, Dracarys! <laughs> and Vagar burned her to smithereens. But uh, so that part was really cool. But, you know, this was where you really had kind of that time jump there. Uh, It was really good. It just wasn't one of my favorite episodes. Uh, I think the reason I didn't like it as much was just because I wanted to see more involvement from what had become of kind of what happened to during Damon during that big time jump. But you kind of just see he's been sitting over there you know, taking offerings from people, trying to make some money on the side. So I gave episode six my number nine ranking. What about you? Number nine for me was episode three. And I know it's going to come off as strange because we had one of the coolest moments and coolest parts 
of the whole first season in episode three. But if I take episode three as a whole, it was a little bit slower than I would have liked. That was where it was uh, King Viserys' son with Alicent, uh, Aegon's second name day. And, you know, nothing crazy really happens except, you know, we start to see the kingdom is rumbling about, hey, are we going to make Aegon heir today? Are we going to stick with Rhaenyra? Rhaenyra runs off into the woods with Sir Criston Cole, gets attacked by a boar, and she loses her mind and, like, repeatedly stabs it. And, you know, big white heart appears, and that's kind of cool. In the very beginning part of episode three, it had, you know, Caraxes come down and on the stepstones, and that looked really cool. And at the very end of episode three, obviously, we had that great moment of Damon kind of taking out a whole army by himself, and that section was awesome. But as a whole, the, the episode's an hour fucking long. You know, I, I'm not going to give an episode a higher ranking just on one small section that was phenomenal. You know what I mean? So it, it ranked above episode one, in my opinion, but it's not going to go higher than episode, than uh, number nine in my rankings here. So uh, episode nine goes to episode three for me, and I'll go ahead and turn it over to you for episode uh, your, your eighth ranked spot for your episodes. Uh, yeah, you're not going to be happy about this one, but I think our rankings are just a little bit different here. Uh, but I got episode 10 for number eight, sir. <laughs> episode 10, towards the bottom of the line. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, I I thought it was good. It wasn't bad. Uh, the My favorite part, I mean, I kind of fucked up for me to say my favorite part. Lucerius gets eight by Vagar, <laughs> but it was badass to see on screen. It was fucking awesome. Aemon, my fucking, I wouldn't say he's my fucking boy, but he looks cool as shit. <laughs> it was like going after him. You finally saw the sapphire eye. Just like you said, dude could have been like a samurai warrior in an anime. Uh, yeah, it was, it was badass. It was fucking awesome. But at the same time, I mean, and you did have a lot of really cool moments. Like you had... Eric bring over, you know, Viserys' crown to Rhaenyra, and everyone bends the knee to Rhaenyra, except for Rhaenys, who just got, you know, flown with Maylees over there at the beginning of the episode. So you have, like, a lot of these full circle moments. Still not sure how he escaped all the way into the corpse of Viserys and took it off his body, but I'll let it slide. But, um, it was good. There were no bad episodes, it just wasn't exactly, you know, it, there was just so many better ones, <laughs> in my opinion. So for that, episode 10, I like that it all kind of, you know, came full circle. And, you know, at the very end there, too, you saw definitely we're going to be in, uh, you know, in clutch time for season two when that comes around. She wasn't exactly happy with series becoming, uh, as we said, in the differences. I'm assuming he became a fisherman, <laughs> but he probably died. <laughs> so yeah, with Lucerys' death. So, but it was great. It was a great episode. A lot of really cool full circle moments there. Uh, so I gave it my number eight spot because the full circle moments were great. But I just need a little more action there. I need a little more little hand to hand combat. You know, over to you, Jay Nelly. My number eighth spot goes to episode seven. And Chase already put episode 7 as his last ranked in his number 10. It hit number 8 for me because there was important moments where Aemond finally getting a dragon and getting the biggest dragon really does play a huge impact on the Dance with Dragons as a whole with him bringing Vagar to that side. So I think that was just super important. 
on top of that, it's where Rhaenyra and Damon finally end up married. And yes, it was super disrespectful, but in terms of where it takes the series, it's super important there because now the two Targaryens are together, Damon and Rhaenyra, and they have a better claim and better lineage since they have children, uh, you know, versus in her bastard children with Sir Harwin Strong. And obviously bringing Damon to your side and having him in, in in this sort of quarrel or predicament, it's not a bad thing. You know, without Damon, they're probably not they're not going to be doing much at all in terms of this war. So I do think th- th- those are two really key moments. I mean, on top of that, you got pretty much Driftmark got fucked, right? Corlysa and Rhaenys, they lost Lena and Lenor in the same episode. <laughs> I mean, they said goodbye to Lena and lost Lenor in the same episode. So... You know, there, there, there's a big moments there with the weakening of the Valarian house. And, you know, keep in mind in Game of Thrones, we never even hear of Valarians because I'm assuming they all are, you know, they, they are extinct. And this is probably a big reason why is because they lost their daughter and they lost their son. Talking about Corlys and Rhaenys. And so this is why it ranked up a little bit higher to the eighth spot and didn't rank down so low because I believe a lot of what happens in episode seven really kind of propels things to go forward in the series as a whole, not just season one, but I think it's going to, a lot of things play a big role moving forward, but still not enough for me to rank it any higher than eight. It was more of a slower episode as far as House of the Dragon goes, you know, for any sort of regular show, it's a great episode. It's still a great episode. It's just, there's other episodes that are better and, and have more meanings, more action, better visuals, whatever it may be. But yeah, that's why episode seven gets my eighth rank spot. Let's go ahead and turn it over to Chase for his number seven spot. Number seven. And I actually really liked this episode, but there were just better ones in my opinion. Episode five with the wedding. Veneera's wedding and Kristen Cole confesses his love. He wanted her to be Helena Troy and run away. Helena Sparta that ran away became Helena Troy. But yeah, he run away for some oranges that he was going to farm himself. And, uh, you know, that's it's I, I, I thought it was really cool. I'll say I liked it better in the book that we talked about, but it was badass. I hate to say it like this, but the fight scene in the wedding was fucking awesome because you didn't really expect it. And you kind of thought something might happen with Damon and Rhaenyra in this moment here because, you know, Damon, like, you know, grabs his chair and, you know, you had Viserys who was, like, cutting his chicken, like, paranoid as fuck, man. So, and then it totally took you by surprise and it was really full circle, too, because, you know, he came up to her on that ship and you can tell he's still kind of being a little bitch about it. But at the same time, Joffrey is over here saying, you know, he knows his secrets and everything. So, and I, I like the dance they did there, too. I thought it was cool. It was really good choreography. So, I, I gave it, it wasn't my favorite episode by far, but I thought it was a really cool episode. And you had Allison also kind of make her first big stand on this. And she came down with the Hightower green dress. And remember what they were saying is the Hightower green is the color the beacon show when they go to war. So it was, it was badass. It was excellent. It was kind of like the first big stance for Allison. Um, and, and I just thought I really enjoyed it. So I gave it my number seven spot. Number seven is not a bad spot, but it kind of just is like an is what it is spot. With that, I'll turn it back over to you, Jay Nelly. 
For me, episode two hit my seventh rank spot. Episode two, it was fine. Nothing wrong with it at all. Obviously, it ranked a little bit above the other ones that I had listed. But really, it there's not terribly too much that goes on here. Obviously, we have you know, Sir Chris and Cole being named to the Kingsguard, which is an important part of this whole story because he is a prominent role throughout the entirety of the season and the series. But on top of that, outside of that, that moment that we have Coralise trying to get Viserys to marry Elena, but, Cor- uh, but uh, Viserys decides at the end of the episode he's going to marry Alicent instead. And that's a huge moment going there, but just not wildly exciting. It's not something that I was on the edge of my seat like, oh, wow. You know what I mean? And I, I just think that you know, overall, episode two... The last, like the real cool thing that happened is when Damon stole the dragon egg, and they go to 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 Dragonstone, and we have the cool face-off between Damon and Otto, and like Damon's men and the Canada the King's men, and we got Caraxes behind Damon. All of a sudden, Rhaenyra flies in on Cyrax on the other side, and. It, it looks like something cool could boil over and I don't know maybe if a battle had broken out maybe something that would have propelled this episode but really all it did was you know not like they diffused it pretty quickly she walked up and was like hey listen I'm the reason why you're mad so go ahead and kill me and it'll be all done and Damon doesn't do it he just gives her the egg back throws it at her <laughs> like he's upset and so I don't know man I just it was fine the episode itself was good I just couldn't rank it any higher than number seven so, number seven get, it goes to episode two for me. What about your number six ranked episode? Number six, I got episode four. Rhaenyra sneaking out with Damon to Flea Bottom after you thought Damon had turned a new leaf, you know? He was crowned king of the Stepstones, and he was over there giving his crown to Viserys, saying how there was only one true king, but secretly, you know this man is not going to just play (laughs) nicey-nice. And he got Rhaenyra out there exploring, you know, kind of stepping out of her shell, that's for sure. And uh, remember, it was so funny. I was... It was very relatable in a way to like a college night. Remember, he wakes up and he was just fucked up beyond belief when Masaria woke him up. And then they, the series had him dragged into the courtroom. And he was just still fucked up and was like, wetter to me. I want Rhaenyra. <laughs> it's like just fucked up beyond belief. It was fantastic. I love that moment. I thought it was great. Um, and this is really where you have... The series very turned off with Damon. And it's right when you think they had just brought their family ties back together. And secretly, you know, Damon, in my opinion, was really just playing chess <laughs> with everybody here. So for that reason, I ranked it number six. I couldn't rank it higher because, you know, it, it was more of kind of like a, it was action. But it was more of like a thriller psychological action versus like action on screen, like hand-to-hand combat or dragons or something. So for that, I gave episode four, number six on my ranking list. Back to you, Jane Nelly. So I think this is the one ranked episode that falls at the same for me and you here because all the rest have been wildly different. But I also put episode four as my number six ranked episode. And a lot of the, what you just had mentioned when you went over the key points of episode four just to expand on that 
a little bit. This is the reason why it gets a little bit higher than the other episodes is this is the big first conflict that happens with Rhaenyra where people have got to start taking a side one way or the other. This is where Otto has to decide, oh shit, am I going to tell the king about his daughter? That Allison's like, oh, I, I trust Rhaenyra. She's my best friend. And that ends up getting Otto fired from his position and that creates a whole rift. And so th- there's so many moving chess pieces in this episode that it, it gets closer to the middle of the pack for me. You know, and then on top of that, this is where she sleeps with Sir Chris and Cole after Damon takes her through all of the streets of Silk, gets her all riled up and all that, and then she ends up sleeping with Sir Chris and Cole, and that's what causes a big conflict between Chris and Cole and Rhaenyra later on, and when he decides he wants to love her with all his heart and go forward and, and marry her and take off to Essos and have the oranges, the big bag of oranges and all that. So <laughs> like this is where he this is the start of him going from a hero or a protagonist character to his villain arc starting because of what happens in this specific episode. And then on top of that, you got Viserys banning Damon back to the Vale with his wife, which is going to play a little bit of a role, and start kicking the shit out of him while he's drunk and hung over on the floor because he wants to marry his daughter, which is hilarious because they end up marrying anyways, so you guys well have just fucking bit the bullet. But anyways, yeah, that being said, that's exactly the same rank I have for episode four as Chase's. Uh, it's number six goes to episode four. Go ahead and move into your fifth-ranked episode. Number five. I actually really like this episode a lot. Uh, episode eight, when Viserys passes away, and you know, their Alicent is confused and <laughs> really confused at everything he says, just took it her own way. And you know, he's delirious and passes away and was saying Emma's name. But honestly, I, I, uh, I ranked it so high because it was badass. You know, this is the moment where Vayman didn't give a fuck. He said, those children are bastards! <laughs> and then it says that she's the whore. And then Viserys says, I'll have your tongue for that, but Damon, the badass he is, cut off the top of his head and said he can keep his tongue. <laughs> I was badass as fuck. And then the other reason I ranked it so high, it's really a, a ridiculous reason. See what I did there with the pun? Ridiculous crew. Uh, but it really is. But Amen, man. Dude, it's so hard to not like this motherfucker. This guy's fucking awesome. Final tribute. A toast to my nephews. These strong boys. <laughs> and after that whole spiel, he goes... What? Do you not want to be strong? <laughs> it was great, man. I absolutely loved it. At the same time, Patty Constantine, man, I, I got to give him credit. Like, everyone was, you know, I think this is really where his acting stepped up, honestly. Like, I got to give him props. Like, yeah, this was amazing. At least for me, I thought this. It was an amazing, heartfelt scene. I actually felt for this man here. You know, when he removes his mask and you're kind of like, what the fuck? It felt bad for him. Like, it's like you could kind of really tell, like, he really wanted his family to get along. And uh, that that really made me uh, really admire this episode for all those reasons. And it reminded me literally of, like, something that usually would happen if you're talking politics or something at the dinner table at Christmas or something with your family. Just in an extreme, <laughs> extreme scenario. So with that being said, I'll turn it over for your number five, Jay Nelly. Number five for me, I gave to episode six. This was the perfect 
episode to put in the middle pack of my rankings because a lot of really important things happen in episode six. Not the least of which is to start out with it, even though it's towards the end of the episode. But Sir Harwin Strong and and Lord Lionel Strong are burned to death in Harrenhal, and that makes Otto reclaim his position as Hand of the King. Where you know, let's say those two survive, who the hell knows? You know, if that Otto ever comes back, and maybe this potential war is never even you know brought up. You know, so. I think that super important on top of that is where we meet the children that are supposed to, because this is right after the huge time jump, the 10 year gap between episode five and episode six, where they actually did the actor and actress changes from, uh, you know, young Rhaenyra to older Rhaenyra from young Allison to older Allison. And, you know, we see the children that they have and how they look nothing like Lenor. And this is where the whole, like, oh shit, these are not Lenor's children. This is going to be a problem later on. And that's one of the biggest problems Allison has and why she believes that she shouldn't, like, you know, but Rhaenyra probably shouldn't be the heir to the Iron Throne because eventually the throne is going to pass down to her children that are bastard children. And that's, you know, we see this start to be shown here. On top of that, we saw the animosity between Kristen Cole and Harwin Strong, except that, like we mentioned last week with differences, what ends up happening here, Harwin Strong is the one that knocks Kristen Cole down and starts beating the shit out of him until they all grab him because he's like, oh, you you have so much concern. I mean, usually one wouldn't have this kind of concern unless it was like a cousin or a brother or a son <laughs> and just loses his mind and beats the hell out of him. So I just think there's a lot of key things that happen in episode six that really set the stage for why this war this is this is like the why episode the why the war starts why things start to get heated up is you know we see bastard children we see who their true father really is then their true father dies along with his father which is the hand of the king which allows Otto Hightower to come back in and start making moves again where he was brought out of it for a long period of time so it's that was just a I think this episode was the most important episode when it first released out of all all of them so I, I really did like episode six a lot and obviously as we move forward into it there's higher ranked episodes for me but i really do think that episode six deserves right in the middle here it took my number five spot go ahead and go into your number four spot oh man you're not gonna like this at all Number four, episode two, baby. Let's go. Yeah. The real dance of the dragons standoff. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, Damon that flew off with Masaria. Otto is pissed about it. You know, they decide that they're going to go after Damon and they show up there. And remember, Kristen Cole is with him. And Damon says, Sir Crispin, was it? And then, of course, Kristen says, perhaps my prince remembers when I knocked him off his horse. (laughs) It was badass. It was awesome. Uh, Remember, and then you had Rhaenyra shows up on Cyrax, and you had, you know, the standoff between dragons, just like Jay Nelly was saying, right after Damon drew his sword and pointed it at Sir Otto, and it was just fucking awesome. And, uh, you know, and, and that's what really gets Damon to stop. And he just tosses the egg to fucking Rhaenyra. I remember we were talking about, like, what if that fucking egg went off the bridge? <laughs> like, what if that that would really had fucked things up? But uh, it was awesome. I think he even said something to an extent at one point. Damon did. He was like, bring me Sir Otto's head or something like that. But it was, no, did he, he say said, something like that? No, that was a different episode. That was episode 10 when they came to terms. Like, they came to bring terms to uh, Rhaenyra from King Aegon. 
and he tells Sir Eric to bring him uh, Otto Hightower's head. And that one, he was just going to take it him damn self. <laughs> like, and, and oh, was, okay, yeah, yeah. But point being was, I thought it was fucking awesome because you saw the dragons, like, standing off with each other. Masaria, uh, absolutely phenomenal actress. Stunning, gorgeous. Reminded me of Talia <laughs> from Game of Thrones. It was fantastic. Talissa. Is that her name? No, Talissa. Talissa. Yeah. Talissa. Uh, sorry, uh, Tala is the, isn't she the girl, the, um, the serving girl? Yeah, she, yeah, Talia's the serving girl that reports to the White Worm. Actually, reports to Masaria, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Sorry, that's how I had it mixed up there. Anyways, but yeah, so with that, I ranked it number four, episode two, baby. Turn it back over to Jay Nelly for your number four spot. Yeah, it's just wild because you only named one part of episode two that you liked so much. And that's much. all it needed. <laughs> that's all. It was that fucking good, man. That's all it needed. I could just cut it all out and put that on there and save some time and save some budget money because it was fucking excellent. I loved every minute of it, especially the last five minutes. That's the part I love the most. <laughs> that's absurd. Yeah. What a wild take. But anyways, uh, my four rank spot goes to episode eight. I think it was a really cool part. This is where there was the second time jump between episode seven and episode eight. The six years had passed, and this is where you really see Viserys's deteriorated condition. Dude can barely like keep his head up in bed. They see that he's been fed all of this uh, milk of the poppy, so his brain's not working right. It's a little foggy and hazy. You know, the the, the high towers make their first real insult to. Uh, Damon and Rhaenyra because they don't even greet them when they land at King's Landing. They make uh, Lord Caswell greet them, which you know they we know they did that on purpose because Sir Harold even says, uh, you know, hey, they were greeted as you mentioned. He's like, yeah, as befits their station, is what Otto had had said. So that was pretty rude there. And this whole episode was a big, what's going to happen kind of episode going forward because Damon came to petition for his. You know, him him to take over Driftmark if Lord Corlys passes away from the fever and you think that the Hightowers are going to side with him and this is because Viserys is bedridden and even Rhaenys tells Rhaenyra this is where the Hightowers strike their first blow this is where they land their first blow so this is going to happen and Rhaenyra goes to her father's bedside and pleads with him to you know as you can barely he doesn't even seem conscious so it's amazing that he even hurt her and he was she said if you want me to bear this you have to help me defend it defend me defend my children like help me out and then as Vayman gives his badass speech about how he should be the new lord of drift mark you see Rhaenyra about to you know give her claim and you see Otto and and Allison you know they're it's gonna fall on deaf ears they don't give a shit about Rhaenyra and before she kind of gets too far into her spiel, the door is open and King Viserys is announced and the way he's announced is so badass and you see him on his little walker and he's got the mask over his face and he makes his way up to the throne. Damon helps him out. You see this is the first time that he gets Damon's respect in my opinion and then he ends up grant- the granting reaffirming Lucerus's position as the heir to Driftmark with Rhaenys you know, flipping the switch at the last moment when she sees Viserys arrive. I thought that was a really important moment. And, you know, so they foiled the Hightower's plans there to get Driftmark uh, to to Vaymond if uh, Corlys didn't make it through the fever. Then you had Vaymond lose his shit and start calling Rhaenyra a whore and her children bastards. And Damon cuts his fucking head off in front of the court. Tells him he can keep his tongue because his head's halfway across the floor. That was fucking cool. And then, of course... 
as Chase was mentioning for this episode as well, going down there, having that big dinner with all the family together, and Viserys gives that heartfelt speech, and things are feeling great. You think it's going to be a big kumbaya. Everyone's liking each other. Allison's toasting Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra's toasting Allison. And then eventually Viserys is in pain, and he's sick. He has to be taken away. Then they drop the roasted pig in front of Aemon, which is that full circle moment back from when they tried to give Aemon a pig as a dragon because no dragon would hatch for Aemon. And then he slams the damn table and causes that whole big scene, calls them strong boys. And then he had that little scuffle and everything was going so well and then it ruined it at the last moment. And then you have that moment where Viserys is in his bed and he's having this delirious dream where he thinks he's talking to Rhaenyra but actually talking to Allison about Aegon and, and the Conqueror's dream and the prince that was promised and Allison's like oh you want me to promise to put Aegon our child on the throne sure I promise <laughs> so then we got that whole miscommunication and so there's so many big key moments that happen in this episode it's it's crazy to rank it any lower than uh you know the the fourth rank spot so for me uh, episode eight hits number four Go ahead and see your number three ranked episode. Number three, episode nine, The Green Council. This was badass episode, man. It was awesome. Uh, this is when the Greens really do, in the words of Rainice from episodes before this, uh, this was the same one where, just like you were saying just a moment ago, you know, Damon got his head cut off, but, you know, uh, Vayman got his head cut off. Oh, sorry, not Damon. Yeah, my bad. Vayman. Damon's our boy. Yeah. <laughs> Damon cut Vayman's head off. Let me rephrase that. He said you can keep his tongue. Anyways, point being is, uh, you know, in the words of Rain East, the high towers make their first first blow or something like that is what she said. Point being is this is really when the Greens do make their first big moves. And uh, this one was awesome. It had, you know, Lyman Beesberry getting his head shoved on the table by Kristen Cole, bleeding out and making sure the door stayed shut, <laughs> according to Otto Hightower. And he had to stay there bleeding out. Uh, and then Eamon and Kristen Cole, you know, you had the great race, like you were saying. Uh, we're going trying to find Aegon while Eric and Eric were doing the same thing. And then you had Masaria, you find out, is the white worm. And then at the same time, right when you thought things couldn't get any better, uh, of course, you had Caswell that was hung up by the the castle walls as Rhaenys was escaping. And then as Aegon is being crowned king in front of that massive crowd and he's enjoying it, you have... Uh, Rainey's burst up through the boards. The beast beneath the boards is fulfilled, and Maylee's is there, and then she still decides to not burn everyone to the ground. And you know she's clearly taking the side of Team Black and then flies off, uh, which you wind up seeing her the episode after. So it was an excellent episode. Uh, definitely is the episode where you know, the Greens make their move. It was their their move on the table at this point, and they're moving the pawns in place. Uh, so episode nine, I put as number three. What about you, Jay Nelly? I guess this is the second time that our rankings lined up, because I also put episode nine as my third ranked position. Now, there's one thing I wanted to say, because obviously Rainey's did not clearly take Team Black at that point because they had to have a deliberation with her and Corlys about what they were going to do. She kind of stayed out of it because she didn't know if they should even stay out of the war entirely. 
But anyways, episode nine, a lot of what you said, uh, there's not terribly too much I can add to why this episode ranks so high. It was the high towers on the chessboard, you know, making the moves that they, they've been planning for a long time. We learned in the small council that they've been planning for this for a while and they have to start making moves. But then you start to see that there's that her they're talking about Allison, her and her father aren't necessarily on the same page. So they're kind of working against each other while also at the same time working against Rhaenyra. And you had the you mentioned the amazing race. They found Aegon, realized that Aegon wanted no part of being king. He was like content to go sail off and run away forever. And Aemon could have been king if if that was the case. And then we really had some fun stuff going on. But we got the the white worm Asaria comes into play, like you had mentioned. Yeah, we see the really cool part of Rhaenys bursting through the floor with Maelys after they, she was given an ultimatum, basically back to Greens or you're just going to stay here as a prisoner and to ring the bell when she had an answer. And oh, did she have an answer? It's called a dragon to your fucking face. That's that's her answer. <laughs> dragon <laughs> to the face, baby. In the face. Yeah, so... Yeah, there's just a lot of action in, in episode nine, a lot of moving pieces, all focused on the high towers and them coronating King Aegon the second as the king to the seven kingdoms. So that that was huge. There was a lot of amazing moments that had happened and it is one of the most important episodes. Not even just like on a list of favorites of our personal opinion, just in importance. It it, it really moves it along and shows what what the plans were the whole time for them regardless and yeah man that's that was really cool so for me i agreed with you on that one my third ranked spot goes to episode nine go ahead and go into your second ranked episode this is where our rankings are clearly different i can't believe they ended up so low for you (laughs) episode two i mean sorry episode one i put as ranking number two Ranking number two, episode one, the big tournament. Viserys holds a tournament for his baby boy that's about to be born. And man, it was fucking badass. You had fucking Kristen Cole unhorsed Damon where he slides across the jousting uh pole or whatever the fuck you want the jousting median slides across and then they fucking duke it out going blow for blow and you know damon thinks he's won the whole thing and then Kristen cole being a bitch like trips him down while at the same time you have uh viserys boy from emma is that being born but they had to cut it out so emma is forced to die and then of course yeah you have at Rhaenyra, who's really upset over it, that has to. This is the first time, really, you have that full circle Game of Thrones moment where you hear Dracarys, and then the dragon burns the little baby boy. Very sad, but a uh, big, powerful moment there, man. And you know, my favorite part of all. That's why I skipped over it because I wanted to save it for the last part of this episode. You're a pack of hounds. And he was out there. Damon was out there with the gold cloaks. Torturing those motherfuckers. Fuck yes. He was cutting arms off. They were cutting hands off. He was keeping the law as it should be. Holding it up for Viserys. They gotta have more respect for this man. Because he was putting those laws in place, baby. He was making sure we had order. Like the Star Wars Empire. That's why I'm a Sith Lord. Absolutely loved it. Damon Targaryen. For the win, baby. He should have been king. They stole what was rightfully his. 
stole what was rightfully his. And with that, episode one gets number two on my ranking list. Back to you, Jay Nelly. So it seems to I come to find a little bit of a pattern with Chase. For him, it seems as if action plays a bigger role in, in his rankings. Where for me, it's more of the the tactics and the thoughts and the and the the intelligence behind it more so than the action itself that ranks higher for me. Because I put for my number two ranked episode, episode five. I thought episode five was fantastic. It was the wedding there. This is where the Real start of the, I wouldn't say the start of the war, but this is where Alicent realizes, you know, because of Loris, that Rhaenyra lied to her, you know, because he t- talked about, like, oh, man, the Grand Maester brought her some tea late at night, and I'm just so glad that uh, that she's okay, because, you know, him bringing her the tea that late, uh, you would think that is something serious, but if she just rode <laughs> off with Viserys, I think we're okay here, and at that point... Allison realizes, oh shit, I fucked up because I trusted my best friend and I got my father fired because of this because I took Rhaenyra's side and now she's super fucking pissed, walks in that damn wedding with her green gowns and like you had mentioned when you talked about episode 5 on your rankings that you know, Lars asks Sir Harwin, you know, do you know what color the beacons light in Old Town when the high towers go to war and he's like, what, green? <laughs> you know, so that was super cool and then on top of that you have the part where Damon tries almost tries to convince Rhaenyra not to marry uh, Laenor, he's like, "You're gonna be dreadfully bored. You know, this is not for you." And she's like, "Okay, fine. Then come take me away. Make me your wife. Cut through the the King's Guard. Then take me on your way." And obviously, the part where Kristen Cole loses his shit and beats Joffrey Lama to death in front of the whole damn court faces no murder charges at all that gets gets away scot clean from from murder first degree murder in front of everybody he can't even deny it everyone saw it but he gets fucking promoted to Allison's direct bodyguard from there so that's absurd he tried to even kill himself out by the Goswood tree and she said Sir Kristen and then, so he ends up leaving there but this is I think this episode is wildly important and it has a strong case for me to be ranked number one because, you know, on top of that, we have other areas that come into play because this is where Damon kills his wife, Rhea Royce, so he can be single again. And ideally, <laughs> ideally he hopes to take all the land and all the inheritance from the Royces in, in the Vale of Aaron as, as his own. And, you know, this is where Otto leaves the, 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 you know, he gets booted out in episode four, but this is him leaving King's Lane in this one and has this whole conversation that, dude, your whole hope here is that. Rhaenyra is going to take mercy on you guys because she could end up putting your children to the sword because she'll have no choice because they're challengers to it and it just there's too many amazing moments that that you know on top of the action-packed wedding scene there too that just make this a very very important episode to the season and to the series as a whole. So I just think that this then you not on top not even just on that end too. We also realize that. We're going to have an, a conflict because this is the episode where we realize that Sir Lenor prefers men to women. So now, we, we, even though we don't know what ends up happening until episode 6 when her children are born and they look just like Sir Harwin Strong, we, we start to get, plant the seeds of, like, this could be a problem if he prefers men and she prefers men as well. Like, how is he going to get her pregnant? Maybe they'll just, like, bring a guy in there and try to get it to finish. Like, maybe she'll finish off, he'll finish off inside of her and see if we can get some babies out of this, but... 
No, but this is the, the, the conflicts are just rising here. And then on top of that, what happens at the very end of the episode? King Viserys drops and collapses to the stone floor. And at that point, you don't even know if he survives that, but he ends up surviving it. But his condition is getting worse, and that's the point. So there's just too many important moments that happen for me to rank episode five any lower than number two. And honestly, has a really good you know, argument to be ranked number one, but I did find one more episode a little better overall with everything included. So my number two ranked episode goes to episode five. Go ahead with your top spot, number one. What episode gets your top spot? Ooh, number one. I think you know what gets number one. And there's no no episode that can even compete with it. It was amazing. It was, it was fantastic from beginning to end. It had the best action out of any fucking episode on here. Episode three, Damon and the Crab Boy. Fuck you, Prince Drehar. Fuck you. That was badass as fuck. It started off the episode. Remember that guy was getting crucified? It was like, fuck, quote, fuck you, Prince Drehar. Fuck you. And then Caraxes, baby, came down and then was swooping down, burning everyone in the stepstones as Damon was on top of him, looking like a fucking Spartan man. It was awesome. And then the guy was screaming. He was like, Prince David, my prince. And then Caraxes comes down and slams on him and just kills him and is burning everything in his bath. Also at this time, powerful moments. You have Rhaenyra pissed because, you know, they're, they're celebrating Aegon's second name day. Also at this time, you have, like, Jason Lannister who finally... It kind of gives the first hint that maybe they weren't expecting Rhaenyra to stay heir to the throne at this point. And, you know, Viserys is mad about it. And then Rhaenyra gets pissed and hauls off for Kristen Cole. Well, actually, she hauled off on her own on that white stallion. And Kristen Cole goes afterwards. And then they were looking for, I guess they called it a white heart is what they called it, right? Is that right? I, I called it reindeer. But it was, yeah, it was badass, man. You know, they were looking for that stag. Basically, I use Harry Potter terms here. But, you know, to celebrate Aegon's name day. But it was actually Rhaenyra that saw it. So that could be symbolism, a little bit of prophecy. But she lets it go. And then also, the warthog attack, man. That evil Pumbaa came out of nowhere, pissed. And then Kristen Cole uh Dabs it and you think it's like dead but it's actually not and then Rhaenyra gets pissed and just keeps stabbing it over and over could be symbolism there because you had the blood all over her and they come back and then also you had this moment where maybe this is the moment that Jay Nelly props to Jay Nelly on this he's the one that brought it up on the show you know put in Allison's head maybe this is the moment she starts getting confused because uh, Viserys decides to keep sipping on that sauce, baby. He's been sitting on that sauce the entire celebration. is just pissed off. Um, so he's over by the fire and says all this stuff uh, about, you know, the, you know, he had thought about possibly, you know, maybe he made a mistake really is kind of what he was saying he didn't flat out say Rhaenyra shouldn't be heir or anything but like he was debating whether or not he made a mistake right and that's when maybe the thought kind of went in there uh so it was excellent and then the best fucking part 
That's fucking part. You saw Damon go on that kamikaze fucking run after Vayman and Corley's. All these motherfuckers were over there doubting his ass who was going to put an end to Prince Drehar, the crab feeder. Goes on that kamikaze run, takes on all his men by himself, dodging arrows, dives underneath the wood of a, a ship that looks like it's been, you know, decaying for months and rotting away. And they're all about to attack him. And what happens? Then you have the Valorians come out on sea smoke, Lenor riding on him, and they're burning that shit like they were born in Scorpions and Game of Thrones, baby. And it was fucking awesome. You had. Corley's that was using his fucking axe. We call him the axe man. The axe murderer. It was fucking sick. He was chopping down dudes left and right. Damon was kicking some ass. But ultimately, we saw Damon go in that fucking cave and come out dragging his ass by the leg. His fucking guts were going everywhere. Half his body was missing with that like grayscale or whatever the fuck he had with half his face was melted on that mask prince drehar and then prince drehar's upper body was just floating in the little sand there as his blood was leaking out and we knew damon is the man damon would have said you shut the fuck up i'll do this all myself because i'm the shit and that's what it is Damon is the fucking man, and there is no one that can compare to this man in the entire series. He saved the Stepstones by himself, and he was crowned after this, and that's why I had to give episode three best fucking episode, hands down, of the series. Best action ever. Nothing compares. And off to Jay Nelly. Dude basically gave us a whole recap for the damn episode. <laughs> but anyway, I don't know. I just didn't find it that important. It was a very small part. So for me, episode three was very, very low on my list. But my number one ranked episode goes to episode 10. It was the last one, and I think that's how it's supposed to be, is you know you get left off on this huge cliffhanger, and we get left off after the huge dragon battle. Now, I don't want to call it a huge dragon battle because it wasn't really a battle at all. The, you know, Eamon was chasing... Lucerus with Vagar underneath Amond, and Vagar is five times the size of Eric's, and Eric's is trying to get away, but almost like a, like I mentioned it too when we went over the recap of episode ten, it was almost like a cornered animal, and it, it's going to end up lashing out and striking because it feels threatened, and that's what ended up happening. Eric's threw a little fireball, a little baby fireball, and it hit Vagar in the face, and then all shit breaks loose because. You know, Eric's wasn't supposed to do that, and Lucera's like, no, 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 Eric's don't do that. And then all of a sudden, Vagar's like, oh, you motherfucker, and just started chasing that motherfucker down. And then well, you think they're clear, they get out of the storm, and then from the side swipe, just gets like in the jaws of Vagar. That you really saw that Eric's had no chance at all. Bit right through him, took two bites. Half of Eric's body falls in the air, and we don't see what happens to Lucera's body, but it effectively starts the war between the greens and the blacks at that point because before it was just oh we're gonna try getting each house or side to see who plays chicken like hey you see what we could do we better surrender but now it's all like oh shit y'all killed my son on the dragons and now we gotta really show you what the dragon battle's all about so that was really important and uh on top of that too we got to see them almost work together in a way lord corlys and rainice pledged their allegiance to rhaenyra's cause 
We've got Damon there trying to make up all the plans as well, trying to figure out what they're doing. We see the list of dragons that they all have. They got 14 dragons, which is kind of cool. We just names them all out. Uh, we start to see, the, we hear about the other places that are going to come into play. Winterfell talking about Storm's End, the Vale of Aaron. So we see a lot of these things are going to come into play later on. We had that, like I said, that really big action between the two dragons. We have Otto coming to make terms. Damon saying, ah, fuck those terms. Bring me his head, <laughs> Sir Erickton. And then you're gonna, we're going to return, we're going to return the terms to your daughter with your head and your cock shoved in your mouth with our response. <laughs> like, just be you know, ready to go after it. And Rhaenyra kind of shows a little bit of restraint here, which is interesting because in Fire and Blood, the sections that we were talking about last week don't actually really line up with her trying to be cool-headed about it. That's actually wasn't accurately depicted. So you know, we actually see at the very end her turn around and that look of vengeance in her eye. And you know what we're about to get here. And so, but to me, like episode 10 was the the Black's response. We see Rhaenyra crowned in front of, in, in Dragonstone in front of her people as the Queen of the Seven Kingdoms. Eric had stolen that crown and presented it to her and ended up leaving what his first allegiance were to the the greens and shifted right on over to the blacks when he realized what they were doing was wrong and just a lot of really cool things in that nature and then we got to see that sick ass painted table with the fire underneath it that showed up all the map of westeros and it looked cool as hell and you know it's just that episode to me really kicks off the war and this is where it started in true and in earnest because now one of the princes the heir to driftmark is dead you start, you, they, they, the high towers drew first blood, whether by accident, by purpose, it doesn't matter. Lucerus is gone, and Rhaenyra will have her revenge, as it looks like in her eyes. So, to me, that made it my favorite episode of the season. And that concludes the, our rankings of our favorite episodes from 10 to 1. Just to run through it real quick on my end, my ranked episodes from 10 to 1. 10 goes to episode 1. 9 goes to episode 3. 8 goes to episode 7, 7 goes to episode 2, 6 goes to episode 4, 5 goes to episode 6, 4 goes to episode 8, 3 goes to episode 9, 2 goes to episode 5, and 1 goes to episode 10. Chase, go ahead and run through your 10 through 1 quickly. And number 10, I got episode 7, number 9, episode 6, number 8, episode 10, Number seven, episode five. Number six, episode four. Number five, episode eight. Number four, episode two. Number three, episode nine. Number two, episode one. And number one, episode three. Awesome. That's going to move us into our top five favorite moments category here. I'll start this one. Starting from number five to number one, I'm going to keep it quick. I'm going to keep it concise. Number five, my fifth favorite moment was when Viserys, on his very last day of life, uses the remains of his strength to get out of bed, sit the throne to reaffirm Driftmark's succession to Pastor Lucerys, foiling the High Tower's plan. Then, obviously, the part where Damon cuts off Bayman's head after he calls Rhaenyra a whore and the Children Bastards was cool too. But that is my fifth favorite moment. What is your fifth favorite moment? Perfect. Actually, we agree on this one. My exact favorite fifth moment is the moment where, just like you said, Viserys comes out and uh, declares uh, 
once again the petition for Driftmark. Um, and, you know, I did like the part where Damon picked up the crown on his head. Uh, and also, of course, you know, I'm a big action guy. So when Damon cut off the head of Vayman, which cut it right through the middle of his head, uh, so that was the Driftmark petition, I called it, for that moment, number five. Awesome. Number four for me is when Allison walked in for Anira's wedding late as fuck, wearing her green gown. And that's when Lars asks Harwin if he knew what color the beacons glow when Old Town calls his banners to war. And he says, green? That was my fourth favorite moment. Huge shit there. That's when you know, realized it was going to hit the fan. So that was my fourth favorite moment. What is your number four? Badass. Number four for me, Aemond and Vagar attacking Luceres and Vermax <laughs> and eating his ass. And not Vermax, you mean Ar- you mean Arax, not Vermax. Arax, yeah. sorry, Arax, Arax, Vermax, whatever. The dr- little baby dragon. So Vagar against baby dragon. <laughs> That's what it was. It's badass. When Aemon and Vagar uh, had the battle with Luceres and Arax in the middle of the air, I thought that was awesome. Number four for me. What about you? Number three is when Viserys was talking to Rhaenyra and expanding on Aegon's dream, the Song of Ice and Fire. Not when he first mentions in episode one, but when he had the blade resting in the coals of fire and pulls it out and Rhaenyra reads it and it says, from my blood come the prince that were promised and his will be the Song of Ice and Fire in episode four. That was my third favorite moment because it foreshadows the entire Game of Thrones series that we watched. And on top of that, it, it gives a clue or at least a, either a plot hole or a clue as to the prince that was promised because it mentions it was, his will be the Song of Ice and Fire. So that was my third favorite moment. What was your third favorite moment? Badass. Mine was uh, you're a pack of hounds. <laughs> Damon torturing people with the gold cloaks. I thought it was awesome. It opened up episode one in a big way. It was awesome. That was number three for me. Number two for me is when Damon almost single-handedly took out the entire triarchy at the Stepstones and killed the crab feeder. That was my number two favorite moment. thought that was fucking sick. Badass. Similar, number two for me, Damon fighting Kristen Cole in the tournament. Episode one, blow for blow, man. That was badass. That was number two. What was number one for you? Number one for me is when Vagar killed Erex and Luke and effectively started the war between the Greens and the Blacks. It was cool to see on screen, especially with Storm's End, how visually stunning it looked and it really how it really got its name and them kind of flying in and out and kind of figuring, is he going to get away? Is he not going to get away? Then at the end, boom, we got Vagar chomping on Erex like a snack and that starts <laughs> the war between the Greens and the Blacks was my number one moment. What's number one for you? Number one, you know what's number one for me. Damon fighting Prince Drehar, the crab feeder, in the Stepstones, cutting his ass in half and dragging him out by the leg. Number one for me, I thought it was badass. Uh, go through your list, five through one. Yes, five for me. Viserys on his last day of life, using the remains of his strength to get out of bed and reaffirm Driftmark's succession, passes to Lucerys, which foils the Hightower's plan. Number four, Alicent walking in for Rhaenyra's wedding late, wearing her green gown, and we realizing that the beacons glow green when Old Town calls its banners to war. Number three, talking about Viserys, mentioning the Song of Ice and Fire, pulling out the cat's paw dagger, Rhaenyra reading it, and it says, from the blood, 
From My Blood Come the Prince That Was Promised and His will be the Song of Ice and Fire in episode four. Number two, Damon almost single-handedly taking out the Triarchy at the Stepstones and killing the Crab Feeder. And number one, Vagar killing Eriks and Luke and effectively starting the war between the Greens and the Blacks. What about your five through one? Number five, uh, that was, of course, Viserys reaffirming the succession of Driftmark and Damon cutting off the head of Vaemon. And, of course, you know, you had that powerful moment where Damon picks up the crown for Viserys. Uh, so that was number five for me, the Viserys reaffirming the succession of Driftmark. Number four, Aemon and Vagar attacking Lucerys and Arax, beating that ass. And then number three, uh, Damon, pack of hounds, torturing people in Flea Bottom with the gold cloaks in episode one. Number two, Damon and Kristen Cole fighting in the tournament badass and then number one of course Damon fighting Prince Drehar and the Stepstones and cutting him in half becoming the king of the Stepstones was number one awesome now we're going to move into the next category which is our top five favorite dragons I'll go ahead and let you start Chase go ahead with your fifth ranked dragon my fifth ranked dragon one that's not thought of much saw only in episode 10 Remember, uh, Damon was singing that haunting song we talked about, but Vermithor, this thing looked like a fucking beast. Was he kind of like tannish looking? Kind of looked tannish to me. D- is that the color? It was tough to tell because it was dark in there, but you could see he was definitely very old. You see like the gray in the hair kind of almost similar to, to Vagar and how she looked, you know, you can tell how old she was. It just seemed like an older dragon, but very large in size so yeah i don't i couldn't really tell the color because it was dark but yeah man yeah looked vicious as fuck though like if one could had a chance against vagar i think this is it but that was king jahari's old dragon so i put number five as vermithor what about you we agreed there i put number five as vermithor what's your number four Sea smoke, man. We saw Lanor ride on him. It was cool looking. You know, he had kind of like that blue and white color, but reminded me of Drogon a little bit. And uh, a lot of them looked very different than Drogon, except for Sea smoke, in my opinion. So, kind of gave me Game of Thrones nostalgia there. So, I put Sea smoke as number four. What about you? Number four for me was Cyrax. We don't really get to see Cyrax do a whole lot other than burn the body of Queen Emma and, and the the son, the little baby son there. And she flies on him a couple times. She has a standoff quickly uh, with Damon over on Dragonstone that has a standoff later when Otto comes to bring terms. So we don't see Cyrax do a whole lot, but I like the way Cyrax looked. One of the bigger dragons, but not at the top tier size. So for me, number four goes to Cyrax. What about your number three? Great one. Number three, I got Maylees. Just for that whole badass scene in the Sept of Baylor over the dragon pit where, you know, she could have burned everyone down. Thing looked fucking vicious. It had the horns in the back, almost like Drogon, but blood red and the absolutely snaring vicious. And uh, it was it was fit for the queen that never was. <laughs> it was awesome. Number three, Maylees. What about you? Number three for me is going to come as a shock to most people, I'm sure. But number three goes to Vagar. Vagar was the largest dragon in existence at this point in time. Looked great. 
she's old, but she can still move and she can still fight. Obviously, we saw her kill Eryx and obviously effectively Lucerus in that same moment. And just, but the thing is, is we see Vagar has a soft side as well when Lena pleads with her to burn her alive and die the way that she wants to die. And he, Vagar's great. There's nothing against Vagar. There's just other dragons I liked more for separate reasons. It's not just size for me. There's a lot of things that come into it. But at the at the end all be all, Vagar looks like a pretty plain dragon. You know, and, and obviously in terms of what it's capable of, it's gonna. If I was gonna go, you know, strongest dragons, yes, Vagar would have moved up my list. But this is my favorite dragons, so Vagar hits number three for me. Go ahead and to your number two. Perfect timing. Number two is Vagar, just for the fact of what a behemoth she is. Absolutely massive, and you can tell she's a lot older. Like you can, if you look close, you can even see like the battle scars on her wings with the holes and kind of almost yeah it looks very uh, almost like droopy kind of in a way but just an absolute beast and you had that whole moment at the end with uh Lucerys and Erex how it just it was no contest so for that number two I put Vagar what about you my number two goes to Sea Smoke and I love Sea Smoke because of the coloring it was a medium-sized dragon, but it was that bluish-white. We don't see a lot of dragons with that coloring on top of it. This is one of the dragons that we see that aren't a pure-blood Targaryen's dragon. It is the Valarian's dragon, so it was really cool to see. It's oh, I almost call it the the dragon of the sea. You know, I think that that's kind of cool. And so I just really enjoyed the way it looked. The fact that it, it is not a Targaryen's dragon; it's a Valarian's dragon. It's just to me, I. I I obviously know Vagar would destroy Sea Smoke in a fight, but this isn't the strongest dragon. So for me, I enjoyed the way Sea Smoke looked. The few times that we saw it, especially on the Stepstones when Lenor came into play with it, when Damon was doing his Kamikaze run, and eventually, you know, we see Sea Smoke come down and start blowing some flames. Shit was cool, man. So for me, I know it's not going to be a popular choice, but I put Sea Smoke as number two. What about your number one? Can't argue with that. Caraxes, let's fucking go! Damon's dragon, baby, and this thing looked cool as shit. Vicious, but like a bloodworm. Like, that's why it gets the nickname Bloodworm. Looked just like, almost like an earthworm with a bat, sort of. Had the long neck with the vicious face and snout, but also had wings, like, in the front and the back with the big, long tail. This thing was fucking cool. Uh, it was blood red, and it kicked ass. Uh, it was it was kicked ass all in the stepstones. Uh, this thing, I would not want to go to toe to toe with that motherfucker. So for Caraxes, I put as number one on my list. What about you, Jay Nelly? Great minds think alike, man. Caraxes hit number one on my list as well because it was really the most unique dragon out of all of them it's the one that looks so much different than every other ones and obviously our boy damon rides him so he already looks even more menacing badass caraxes comes to damon on like a a snap of a call seems like he's got great control of him but yes how he looks he looks red like a a deep blood red and his neck is so long like uh, like an earthworm like you mentioned so the bloodworm matches as a perfect nickname for caraxes it's menacing, it's powerful, and it looks very unique. You can 
tell the difference between Caraxes and any other dragon that we see in the entire Game of Thrones series. So for for those reasons, for me, Caraxes hit number one. And just to go quickly through my five through one in terms of my top five favorite dragons, number five goes to Vermithor, number four goes to Cyrax, number three goes to Vagar, number two goes to Sea Smoke, and number one goes to Caraxes. That's my list. Chase, go through your five through one on your top five favorite dragons. Number five, I have Vermithor. Number four, Sea Smoke. Number three, Meles. Number two, Vagar. Number one, Caraxes. Perfect. That's perfect. So now to go on to our next category, we are going to talk about the top five best hand-to-hand fighters in our opinion. I'll go ahead and start us out here. And I want to start us off because I want to piss Chase off a little bit. But I'm going to go ahead and put number five as Aemon Targaryen. He's getting number five in my <laughs> best five to five, the top five best hand-to-hand fighters. Number five, Aemon Targaryen. Yeah, no, it was a good one. I can't argue with that, though. But number five, I actually put one of your favorites, Sir Harold. So, uh, dude trained Kristen Cole. He was the only one that commanded Kristen Cole when, you know, people were speaking against Alicent in episode nine. So, and, uh, you know, I I don't think anyone would want to go toe-to-toe with him. So, number five, I put Sir Harold. What about number four? Number four for me, I put Sir Harwin Strong. I put Sir Harwin Strong as number four because you could see he is a strong guy, and I just mentioned in his last name, but he saved Rhaenyra in that wedding. He ended up throwing people out of the way, putting her on her shoulder, knocking people out, <laughs> got her to safety. Then later on in the series when he got super upset, he took Chris and Cole to the ground, beat the shit out of Chris and Cole. You know, but in terms of what we saw in Fire and Blood, when they went toe-to-toe, Chris and Cole got the best of Sir Harwin Strong, so I took that into account as well and put Sir Harwin Strong at number four for me. What do you have for number four? Number four, I got Corley's Valarian. Uh, one not thought of much, but in the Stepstones, you know, he had that big-ass axe, and he was kicking ass out there. So credit where credit is due, man. I put number four, uh, Corley's Valarian. What about your number three? Number three for me goes to Sir Kristen Cole. Obviously, he's got to be in the higher-ranked areas here between 5 through 1 because he technically beat Damon in hand-to-hand combat at the tournament. He's, he's the one that trains Aemon, trains uh, Aegon, trains the princes in total. They trust him to do that. He he's, was not only entrusted to be the direct guard of Rhaenyra when he was on Rhaenyra's side of stuff, but when he shifted over, he trusted to guard the Queen Allison. So he is thought of very capably. He is someone that, you know, we see his skill in hand-to-hand combat. I still think that there are people that are above him, though. And so Kristen Cole gets number three spot for me. What about you? Can't argue with that. Number three as well, Kristen Cole, (laughs) actually, man. So, yeah, he's he's a beast. Um, Just like you said, he, you know, he is kind of training Aemond. Um, uh, so, I mean, and, you know, he kicked ass at that wedding and he fought Damon Targaryen one-on-one and that's something to be said for that. So number three, I put Kristen Cole. What about your number two? Number two for me, I, this is going to cause a little bit of a stir. 
I put Sir Harold Westerling. I know that's a very high rate for someone who is not shown that much. We don't see a whole lot of him. And on top of that, in Fire and Blood, he actually dies pretty early. But I I always had a feeling that this guy is Lord Commander for a reason of the King's Guard. On top of that, one of my biggest whole arguments to this is that when the Green Council had its meeting after King Viserys died, people tried to leave, and I was like, no, not, no one is leaving here until we decide what's happening. And then after Chris Nicole smashed Lyman Beesbury's head down and killed him, Lord, Harold Westerling pulled out his sword and says, remove your cloak and lay down your sword, ready to go toe-to-toe with Chris and Cole. Chris and Cole, to his credit, was ready for that battle, but the Harold Westerling had no no hesitation whatsoever to, to really kind of bring that fight to him. And then on top of that, after that little action took place there where they had each other's sword pointed at each other and Allison calmed it all down, instead of Harold Westerling taking the side of the Green Councils, he said, I only report to the king. I only take commands from the king. And until you find one, I have no place here. And he walked out and not one fucker tried to stop that man. Not one person tried to stop Harold Westerling from leaving that room. And yeah, so it really reminded me of Sir Barristan Selmy when in Game of Thrones when they dismissed him from the King's Guard and they allowed him to walk clean out too because they didn't want that smoke, man. So there's got to be something special about this Harold Wrestling guy, and you know maybe we'll take a look into Fire Blood before the, this time period and see if he did anything amazing to be thought of as a, a, the capable Lord Commander of the King's Guard that he was, but. I know it's a stretch, but for me, I, I like taking risks here. And so Sir Harold Westerling is getting my number two spot on my top five best hand-to-hand fighters. What about number two for you? Can't argue with that. You're not going to like this. <laughs> You're not going to like this at all because statistically he should be lower, but I don't give a fuck. Aemon Targaryen took my number two, baby. No fucks given. I don't give a shit about tourneys. <laughs> and specifically because where he is at this point in time, I do believe Kristen Cole wasn't at this level at this age because he's still a young guy and he was kicking ass when he was training people. Motherfucker was able to claim the biggest dragon in the fucking land. Uh, So I think there's something to be said for that. Specifically hand-to-hand, you probably would get beat by Kristen Cole, but I don't give a fuck. I'm biased. And, uh, And I love the fact that he said final tribute to these strong boys that they don't want to be strong because he was willing to train them to be strong, right? I'm just fucking with you. So I gave Eamon number two. What about you? My number one spot goes to the man, the myth, the legend, Damon Targaryen himself, man. Like, don't think there was much you know, shock to this at all. He, we see Of all the action that we see in season one, 90% of it goes to Damon, right? We see him in the tournament, knocking people off horses, hand-to-hand combat. We see him in the Stepstones, running the little you know, kamikaze run, taking out the majority of the, the Crab Feeder's army himself, then taking out the Crab Feeder one-on-one. We see him numerous times, just ready for action at all points and places. When at Dragonstone, when, they tra- when he took the egg, they were ready to take the egg back from him, and he was going to try to to do it all on his own he was ready i mean he had his back up there but he was front and center with that sword out like let's do this thing and uh then on top of that back when the, they tried to come back with terms from king Aegon the second damon's like oh you can have your answer now let's go ahead and do this like let's go ahead and get this action going and even from there when 
in episode 10 to, to expand on that when we realized Rainey's came and told them what happened Damon was ready to go to war right then and there he's like well shit let's do it then let's fucking do this thing and I also thought there's something to be said for this as well is that you know Damon obviously cutting off Vayman's head and, and Eamon looking impressed by it remember in that little section that Chase had just mentioned talking about Eamon and, and raising the toast to them when they all got a little scrum Eventually, Damon walked in front of Eamon, and Eamon did not want to deal with that at that point in time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why, but obviously, Damon Targaryen gets the number one spot for me in my top five best hand-to-hand fighters. I'll go ahead and turn over to Chase for his number one. Great minds think alike. You know where this is going. Same thing. Number one, Damon Targaryen. All those reasons you said he is the man, the myth, the legend, the only one Aemon Targaryen didn't want. None of that smoke said, fuck that noise, and stepped down, man. So number one, Damon Targaryen gets my number one spot. You want to go through your list? Yes, sir. Five through one on top five best hand-to-hand fighters, according to me. Number five, Aemon Targaryen. Number four, Sir Harwin Strong. Number three, Sir Kristen Cole. Number two, Sir Harold Westerling. And number one, Damon Targaryen. You go ahead and go through your five through one. Number five, Sir Harold Westerling. Number four, Corlys Velaryon. Number three, Kristen Cole. Number two, Aemon Targaryen. Number one, the man, the myth, the legend, Damon Targaryen, the rogue prince. Perfect. Now we're going to go ahead and jump into our final category of the day. The one y'all have been waiting for, our top five favorite characters. I'll let Chase start us off with his number five. Number five, one that's not thought of a lot. Masaria, fucking badass. Siding with Damon in the beginning. You know, she wanted the protection with Damon, but then just seeing who she grows to be, we find out in episode nine, she is now the white worm, and I think she's going to play a big role in this series going forward. So I gave my number five spot to Masaria. Who's your number five? Number five for me, Lionel Strong. He always gave the best advice, never seemed to be self-interested. He was just the, the guy who was consistent the entirety of his life so that's why number five for me goes to lionel strong let's go to your number four number four this people aren't gonna like this allison hightower baby allison hightower (laughs) fuck yeah i love how she grows into the character to really stand her own ground you know she came out with that green dress really supporting her own claim after trying to take sides with Rhaenyra and then feeling like she was almost betrayed and then now we see to this point you know with the episode episode 9 the Green Council uh, she did not stand down to Otto Hightower giving in to her father she was making her own moves to play chess now whether they were the right moves that's up for you to determine but the fact that she's grown so much over this time going from being just an innocent uh, a religious girl that probably would give in to her father to standing her own ground. Number four, Allison Hightower. What about you? For me, number four goes to Missaria. Missaria, for me, obviously I thought that she was beautiful. She plays an important part as a white worm and speaks for the common peasants of the area and tells Otto Hightower, don't forget who put Aegon on the throne. 
It was me. I could have killed him, and you guys would have had a real big trouble here. And I want you guys to take a look into this fighting pit with these children. Get that shit out of here. And she's sitting there making demands of the second most powerful man in the kingdom. At that point, probably the most powerful man because King Viserys had died. And she was looking at him straight in the face going toe-to-toe with Otto Hightower. As, you know, and she was working in the streets of Silk, you know? So it's, a, it's amazing what, you know, how she has grown as a character and, and what she turns into. So for that reason, Missaria gets a number four spot for me. Go into your number three. Number three, you're not going to like this either. I put Rhaenyra Targaryen. <laughs> so, but that's mainly because I like more of the Millie Adcock uh, Rhaenyra. I loved how in the beginning, you know, she was riding Cyrax and she took things into her own responsibility to get the egg back from Damon. And she kind of grows in this moment. I don't like how she kind of backs down from things and tries to weasel her way out of it. But she does stand her own ground and make her own alliances. And just like she was going to fulfill her duty with Lenor Valarian. And, and she sticks uh, to what she says she thinks is right. So for that, I'm giving Rhaenyra Targaryen number three on my list. What about you? For me, going to number three, Sir Eric with the E. He literally left the greens to join the blacks and stole the crown of Viserys and Jaehaerys and gave it and presented it to Rhaenyra on her coronation on Dragonstone. Takes a lot of balls to, you know, turn sides on top of that. You were okay with the fact that your twin brother that you grew up with is going to stick on the green side and eventually you're probably going to have to meet in battle. And so really fucking cool to see Sir Eric take a stand for what he believed in. And he went ahead and uh, went to Dragonstone, presented the stolen crown that he took from Viserys' body, and he is now on Team Black. So for that reason, number three for me went to Sir Eric with an E. What's your number two? Number two, I want to hate this man so bad, (laughs) but I can't. Aemon Targaryen doesn't give a shit about tourneys. I don't give a shit about tourneys. Dude looks like that, and the older Aemon is the one I'm talking about. Just badass looking, you know, looks like an anime character, not giving a fuck from anybody. Uh, you kind of wonder whether or not he wants the throne for himself, but even just like the whole cliche lines that are hilarious because he wants to piss everyone off, don't you? Don't my nephews want to be strong? <laughs> like, just all that shit. I just thought it was great. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. You can definitely tell he's he's going to be a problem. That's for sure. So I put Emma's number two on my list. What about you, Jay Nelly? Number two for me? Aemon Targaryen. <laughs> and so Let's go! <laughs> I, I obviously agree. You know, he is a polarizing character. You know he's going to be prominent and he's going to be a problem. And like we mentioned that little clip from Troy, now you know who you are fighting. <laughs> like He ended up taking out another dragon and his own cousin, I guess his nephew, uh, Lucerus. Obviously in the show looked like an accident, but just to see what he is capable of is pretty cool. So yeah, that on top of his little quips and tearing people down. Uh, it just he seems like the antithesis to Damon, and you know because of that, it's gonna be a cool little you know back and forth. But yeah, Aemon Targaryen also caught my number two spot. And it just I mean, look at the way he looks. He's got the eye patch on, like a little badass. He's like thin, almost reminds me of an elf 
that turned evil, you know, from like the other yeah. other uh, productions. I mean, like Lord of the Rings or something of that nature. Like Aragon, evil Legolas, you know. So yeah, it, it just look 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 the part of a, of an opposing figure, and uh, he also has the sarcastic quips and the and the wit behind him, very similar to Damon. Like I said, I think he's the antithesis to Damon Targaryen. So Aemon Targaryen gets the number two spot for me. What's your number one? We know where this is going. The rogue prince, Daemon Targaryen, baby. Absolutely awesome. It's like you never know what to predict with this guy. The minute you think he is turning Mr. Nice Guy, he's really playing chess with people. Also, he is a badass motherfucker on the battlefield. Cannot be fucked with. He was the only one that stood right up to Aemon and Aemon backed down. It was awesome. Number one, I got Damon Targaryen. What about you? I also got Damon Targaryen because he be- he walks to the beat of his own motherfucking drum. Not anyone can tell him what the fuck to do. Not even the king. King told him to get out of here and stay away. He's like, nah, I'm coming back for this wedding. I'm going to walk right down this aisle, too. He ain't going to do shit about it. <laughs> like He straight up just does whatever the hell he wants, when he wants, and he does it in a way that is like kind of endearing. It's not always super like asshole-ish you know he has his asshole moments don't get me wrong but my point being is overall like you're you're staying tuned to see what daemon targaryen is going to do next right because he can do some really fucked up shit like grab rhaenyra by the throat and like yell in her face and you know toss her to the side but then he can do some really cool ass shit like stand up for the children get in front of Aemon, like what you gonna do boy you ain't gonna do shit that's what you're not gonna do and then you know obviously he's willing to go kamikaze style against the entire triarchy on the stepstones by himself doesn't care about that he you know kills the the Crab Peter 101, he kills Vayman, takes his head off in the courtroom in front of anyone without anyone telling him he's allowed to do that, took it upon himself. He's not the king's justice. He ended up doing it anyways. He's like, ah, nah, fuck it. I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'll deal with the, the consequences later. He's an act first, ask questions later kind of guy, and I love that shit. So, for me and those reasons, Damon Targaryen took number one, and I'm going to go through my five through one list in its entirety for me. Number five of my top five favorite characters went to Lionel Strong. Number four, Missaria. Number three, Sir Eric with an E. Number two, Aemon Targaryen. Number one, Daemon Targaryen. Go ahead and go through your list five through one. Number five, I got Missaria. Number four, Alicent Hightower. Number five, Rhaenyra Targaryen. Number two, Aemon Targaryen. Number one, Daemon Targaryen. Let's fucking go, baby. Hell yeah. And those are the rankings that we are covering today. That was all of our rankings between, you know, we went through our rank list of episodes, went through our top five favorite moments, went through our top five favorite dragons, top five best hand-to-hand fighters, and top five favorite characters. And, you know, this is the way that Chase and I view Westeros and what we see in the House of Dragon. This this is what each of us value. You guys get to take a little bit of a look inside of our minds and what we think is important. So love bringing these kind of episodes to you. Now, before we close out for the day, I do want to ask you in terms of what you think we're going to see next season, what next season is going to focus on, and what you think we can expect to come here. Next season, I, I think it's gonna. I think we're first going to start out honestly um, with uh, Jace going over to Winterfell, and I think it's going to be a, a more of about starting out with Cragen Stark. I think we're going to start learning a little bit about him and more of the Starks. So I'm really excited to get into Winterfell. Also, I do think Masaria is going to play a large role. I think we're going to start uh, seeing more 
of everything that's going on with Larry Strong and Alicent and how Otto kind of has his hands in things in the city. Um, I think that's going to play a large role. And I think this is where Team Black starts making some very brutal moves. Uh, And we kind of started to see at the end of the show, Damon gives no fucks now. All hands are on deck. Um, And and I think Rhaenyra is going to start making some decisions. Um, So like we always say, you know, this is about two people that really, um, you know, there is... Uh, there is no no chance of negotiating at this point, in my opinion. I think it's uh, two sides that are all out war now, and this is going to start. Uh, I think the death of Lucerys was the first strike in the war, and I think this is where we start kicking things off as next season. What about you? For me, I believe the earlier parts of next season is going to cover each side gaining houses to each of their allegiance. I think, you know, the blacks are going to go on and they're, you know, like you mentioned, Jaceris, we'll see him at Winterfell, see what we can do with the Starks there. We're going to see Damon travel to the places he's going to try to gain allegiance from, see what he can do on his end. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot more of the plans and the, and the setup more so than the actual war where we're just all out dragons in the sky attacking, you know, like full out blown combat. You know, I think that it's going to lead up to that. I do think another prominent character of season two, maybe he's, they are not prominent right now, but I think, you know, as season go, two goes on, there's going to be new prominent characters brought into the, the fold. And I think that maybe we'll lose another prominent character in season two. I think that's going to be interesting to see who and how and what that affects everyone else as. So, uh, and then on top of that, I do believe we're going to see, you know, obviously at this point, you had just mentioned this, there's no chance of reconciliation. It is full-blown war right now. But I think it's going to be more about the setup and bringing armies from other places to join one side or the other side. I don't think we're going to have a full-on assault of King's Landing. I don't think we're going to have a right. full-on assault of Dragonstone. I think it's going to be really the setup. And, you know, I, I think maybe season three of House of the Dragon is where shit's going to really hit the fan. That's what I really believe. Uh, but I think season two is going to be a lot of building the armies, seeing the plots of different people making their presence known you'd mentioned Missario, Laris, Otto, Allison, Rhaenyra, Damon, Corlys, Rhaenys. We we're going to have all these people, and I think even other characters are going to come into play that aren't introduced yet, and I think they're going to play a key role. And I do think we're going to lose at least one prominent character throughout Season 2, probably closer to the end, making it as dramatic and, and unexpected as if you haven't read Fire and Blood through those passages as Lucerys Valarian's death was of Season 1. So, that's what I think is on deck for season two, man. Did you have anything else that you wanted to mention before we close out for the day? And honestly, for the season two of Chasing Josh Factor Fantasy. Yeah, and uh, just to kind of clear up my thoughts here, I agree with you 100%. I think it's going to be a lot of chess pieces on the board. To what I was saying, I just think there's going to be no negotiations at all anymore. There is no thinking. There is no back and forth. This is uh, Rhaenyra, I think, is she's going to be all in on Damon's plan. Alicent's going to be all in on her own. 
Uh, I could even see next season being something like we get a surprise, something like how we had the Red Wedding. Like, I could see it getting very dark at some point, uh, which would be awesome to see. But, yeah, uh, so... uh, yeah man i just want to say what a hell of a ride season two has been man once again you know uh, factor fantasy just reaching heights we never thought it would even reach when we first started this thing going back into two over two years ago now and it's been amazing just the ride and uh you know the support we get uh from all you guys out there it really does mean a lot and it's been one hell, one hell of a, a journey, uh, even from the beginning. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to thank everyone out there for their support. It really means a lot. Jay Nelly revealed it last week. I was going to wait, but he revealed it last week. Season three, we are coming back, baby. So we will be back for season three. You get some time of a break for us, but definitely tune into social media because I know you guys like interesting facts and stuff, so we'll put some stuff out there, put some clips from our old debates, getting your take on that. Uh, so that's where you can really keep engaging with Jay Nelly and I, and even just send us an email, or we see all your messages that come through in the comments section and, and uh, side messages, so that really does mean a lot. But yeah, overall, it's been an amazing season. I mean, we thought, you know, I, I was thinking you know harry potter you know like that was like the ride and then it just kept going up from there you know it just never it never ends and it's excellent uh excellent to have this journey and um we're just enjoying the ride and we're going to be here next season for for another journey with you guys and i'll turn it over to jay nelly that was really well said uh, to me we're almost we're going on our third year of doing this podcast and i don't think either of us really really knew what this was going to bring and and to becoming one of the most prominent parts of my life doing this podcast i'm sure chase feels the same way it just it was it was it's very interesting and amazing how this has grown and how you know we've come along this way and and all the stuff that we covered and how these stories have really touched us to a point where we want to share our thoughts with with other people as well and you know it seems to have you know taken taken a hold better than we could have ever have hoped or imagined and I, I don't know about, about Chase, but to me, it doesn't even feel like we've been doing this for three years. Maybe it feels like to me that maybe it's been six months. It's just, you know, a, a, as grueling as the process can be sometimes and how often it's like, man, that was just a beast to get through. The, the, the end product and the result and what we bring and, and share always makes it worth it. And it makes it really enjoyable and doesn't make it seem as if it's been such a long and grueling process and it's been, you know, however many years. To me, even with all that being said, it still only feels like a short amount of time. And we're not going anywhere, guys. You know, we're, we're, we're sticking with this thing all the way through. We're going to take a couple months off like we did last year between season one and season two of Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. So you'll be catching us uh, probably sometime around early March for season three of Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. So stay tuned. And as Chase had mentioned, he's great with the social media side of stuff. He's going to be putting stuff up there, keeping engagement with with everyone. So uh, don't don't uh, hesitate to stay updated with all of those pages. And, you know, I guess uh, any any final words before I sign us off for the day? Uh, yeah, just, I mean, uh, one thing I really loved about this season is we've finally been able to catch up, you know, to the point where we're doing present day stuff, like House of the Dragon, like, 
you know, we always give people time to watch the show because we want to make sure people are able to watch it on their own schedule and not having to rush. But, you know, this is something that really just came out and we finally caught up. You know, we've done the big fantasy franchises here. We did Lord of the Rings this year. We did original Game of Thrones and Harry Potter last year, you know, and, and we did The Witcher this year. Like we're doing current things now so it's great so it's it's kind of like now of course we'll wind up doing some classic stuff uh later on like you know hint you know disney's developing an aragon series that's <laughs> so interesting when that comes out but i love the fact that we're now in present time and being able to do things uh, the hottest topics on the moment and, and it's great and i uh, just once again, guys, it, it really means everything. And just like Jay Nelly was saying, this really has become a big, prominent part of Jay Nelly and I's life. And we were best friends before this, but it, I mean, just you know, just seeing uh, this grow with you guys—it's something. Uh, it's something that has manifested into uh, a big part of us and and it's great too just even seeing from us how uh the fantasy genre it's it's interesting we hit this whole thing at the perfect timing because fantasy genre just keeps growing and growing and growing and when jay nelly and i first started we were really really one of the few even out there in this genre and so it's great to be able to take it to the level it has been and uh so once again just thank you guys and uh, i'll let jay nelly close us out for the day Awesome, guys. So I, I know that this is it for now, but we'll, we will be back here before you know it. And this is your first time listening to us. We really hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you've been with us since day one, thank you for being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. In terms of the social media that we were talking about on where you can find us and keep engaged during this break, uh, we are on Instagram at official ridiculous Patronus. We're on TikTok at ridiculous Patronus. We have a backup Instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. Backup TikTok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We are on Facebook, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. YouTube, Ridiculous Patronus. We are on Snapchat, RP Factor Fantasy. We're on Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy. And we do have our own website as well, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com. So go ahead, follow along, click like, subscribe, stay engaged those socials, and, and really keep up to date with what we've got going on. In terms of the podcast side of stuff, if you're an Apple user, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, we're on Google Play. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Amazon Music. We're on Audible. We're on our host site, Podbean. We're on Stitcher. We're on Acast. Wherever you get, you get your podcast. Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy are there, so please go ahead and leave those written reviews on Apple Podcasts. Please go ahead and leave star ratings on Spotify. The engagement and the feedback is everything to us, so thank you so much for those who have done it, and Thank you so much in the future for those who will do it. And, you know, it's been a great, great, great thing bringing this to you guys here today and throughout this season. But, you know, this is this is it for the day. And this is it for season two of Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. So one last time for season two, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. This has been a ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, signing off. off.
Welcome to Dragon's Rest, a podcast about the fantasy tavern where all great adventures get their start. It's here you'll meet a wannabe hero, a misanthropic bartender, a washed-up mage, a dim-witted bard, and a braggadocious dwarf. Created by Darcy Thompson and starring a cast of talented storytellers, each week promises a fresh keg of laughter and misadventure. So come on down to Dragon's Rest. Visit dragonsrestshow.com for more.